Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. It is one of those great Sundays. We finally got some sunshine here in New York City, and the weather's a little bit nicer, so uh, definitely happy about that. And today is going to be one of those great shows, man, that we always have. Um, starting right off, want to get straight into catch-up. Things have been going great. I actually was very humbled this week. I actually received a text message that uh, one of my fraternity brothers sent to me, and he told me I, in the text message, a young lady in Florida who was in a master's program was writing a paper on me. Uh, she was looking for someone who was ethical and had been highlighted for life uh, accomplishments. And so the funny part is, is she's in a sorority. And so she reached out to him and said, hey, do you know uh, this guy who, who's a Kappa man? Do you know him? And he said, of course I know him. She said, you think you can tell me some facts or some things about him and his character? And he said, I can do you one better. Let me see if he's awake. So at about 12 o'clock in the morning, she and I had a conversation and I was able to help her with her paper. And I just thought that that was truly, truly amazing and a great experience and a humbling one at that. And then also I made the front page of the newspaper back home in Vallejo, California, the Times Herald. And that was humbling as well because I didn't know that I was you know, sitting right there in the center of the paper. <laughs> and so that was just awesome. And that article covered my journey from foster care to basically international speaker. And now, of course, the host of the Create Your Life series. Also, over the the last couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to do things differently. And I have been, you know, starting the new year of the show. I decided that I wanted to start my days off differently. So I've been doing a power hour every single morning. And that power, I turned it into an acronym, which is called SPARM, which is uh, I stretch, I pray, I do my affirmations, I read, and then I listen to something motivational. And that just really sets me up for a great day. My life has been different, actually, since doing that. So definitely want you guys to you know use that acronym, use that if you can. And we're happy to be here past a year now and, and continuing to grow. And so without further ado, let's talk about today's show. Today is the first Sunday of the month, and so always we do CEO Talks, and today for CEO Talks, as usual, we have some amazing guests, two who you've heard from before, but we are so happy to hear uh, and have here, so uh, none other than uh, Mr. Eric Fondren and Ms. Uh, v. Tabron are here to talk to us today, so V and Eric, please say hello to the Create Your Life series. How's it going? Hello, hello. <laughs> hey. Yes, V and Eric, man, I'm so happy to have you guys on today because, you know, just different personalities, different angles. Um, and the topic that we were talking about actually sparked uh, from a conversation that we were having uh, on the last CEO Talks where it was me, right. Chris, and Eric. But then we also had the opportunity, V, I saw that you posted something recently on social media about giving away some free, <laughs> some free products yourself. And so I said, you know what? 
and I, I don't know if it was me or Eric that came up with this tagline, but it was free means you're hurting me when it comes to business, you know, and how to mm-hmm. run a profitable business versus a charity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't even think charities are giving away hookups. Somebody, some grants paying for those services as well. Right, right. So, man, I want to, uh, I know, Eric, I know you're going to uh, spearhead the the conversation today, but I guess I'll ask the first one. How often are you guys asked for hookups in your uh, businesses? V, I'll let you uh, start off with that. And V, remind us of what, what business you run. Eric, do you Okay, too. so I run out online bakery called savory.com and i ship desserts everywhere both vegan and non-vegan and it is growing and so because it's food i think people want to ask for food for free all the time you know they slide up in my dms or email <laughs> and they're like you know i have this great thing this opportunity for you and i'm like wow okay so this is an opportunity for me how is it it's free you know and they're like it'll only be a couple hundred people and i'm like what right. so that happens all the time like a couple times a week and i'm so over it so i vented on facebook and made a post about it because i'm like you don't roll up to the burger king window and ask for a free whopper so you know don't do it to me either. let alone 200 so free whoppers right. right let me get 200 free whoppers for my event on tuesday like no so <laughs> i'm just over that that was my vent on that that i posted on social media <laughs> okay v went on a little rant i see you <laughs> listen it's upsetting it's upsetting I feel like there's a certain um, certain services like food and a certain time of an entrepreneur's life, like right before you really become established. Yeah. Because when you're a brand, no one's going to walk up and say, hey, you know, Auntie Anne's, let me get free food. Burger King's, let me get free food. But when you're just a small brand and people are coming up to you, they're just like, listen, I want to I try it out. I want me and my friends to try it out. Mm-hmm. I want to do this and I want to do that, but I don't want to pay for it. Man, you know, it's funny that you say that because when I first started speaking, I remember one time they were like, oh, yeah, you'll be able to write this off on your taxes, bro. I did that. uh, I did that speech and called the IRS. And they was like, (laughs) they were like, no, like, you know, you cannot write off a speech. And I said, what? Wow. (laughs) They were like, no, it can't happen. So from then on, I was like. Nah, because I had done a couple of them that year, right? So I was trying to get my money for my speeches, man, and they was not having it. IRS was like, nah, bro. (laughs) I think you got to write down a loss or something like that, but, uh. It was a loss, <laughs> loss of time, loss of preparation. Right. But yeah, well, what was the difference between marketing a marketing campaign and a hookup? Mm, I think it depends on who you're hooking up. Like it should be mm-hmm. mutually beneficial. If mm. you have two hundred thousand followers on Instagram and you're having an event that's helping inner city girls, and you're going to expose me by placing me in your newsletter, putting me on your social media feed, giving new eyes to my business, then that's beneficial towards me. But if you have, and this is no diss to anyone who doesn't have a lot of followers, if you have 500 followers and then you're going to have an event and you want me to provide, you know, desserts for 100 people, that's not beneficial towards me. You know, it's just not worth it. It's not going to be enough eyes, you know, to my business. So with that type of stuff, I'm like, no. And when I see someone that's doing something amazing, I like to be the one to reach out like, hey, oh, my gosh, I love what you're doing. I love your right. cause. You know, let me help you out right. in this business. But, you know, people just come to you and they present it as though it's an opportunity for you. Like, you should be happy about handing out free money because that's what you're doing. Like, you just want me to reach in my pocket and give you a few hundred bucks because that's what ends up happening when we do that. 
So, you know, if you don't, you're not going to walk up to anyone on the street and just hand them a couple hundred bucks, I feel like don't don't expect me to do that either. So I feel like that's the difference. Yeah, it is a particular mm-hmm. type of person that asks. You know, mm-hmm. the entrepreneur that's just starting out is willing to ask for the free stuff. They just got to ask because they have to, right? You, t- you talk about the person who has right. 500 followers. And I don't, I don't really knock that as much as the, the friend or the family that asks for my services. And they just don't have the wherewithal to be able to pay for it but necessarily don't want to pay for it, right? Someone's mm-hmm. always coming up and just saying, hey, I'm your friend. That's the only reason why you should be giving me this hookup. Mm. We've been boys. We've been girls. We've been know- we've known each other for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So it's almost like they're taking advantage of our relationship in order to get into my business. But they don't have the business mind. They don't understand the operating losses that I'll, right. that I'll incur for giving this uh, product away for free. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's a there's a line there. You said, you know, the difference between marketing and a hookup. Yep. I think one of the one of the biggest things is you have to look at what the potential audience is and what it's going to be, what the benefits could be like V was speaking to. You know, if there's only 500 followers, then that might be different. But I would also say it depends on how active and how much influence you have on those followers. That matters. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like sometimes I'll take a lesser speaking fee if I'm going to be speaking to an audience at 10K. Right. And so, right. you know, you might go up and speak for for free because you can do back of the room sales. And if you know that you can kill and sell from the stage, then you're talking a different game. But is that a hookup though? That's see, that's why I want to make a difference between Mm. a marketing campaign, a a pricing scheme and actual hookups. Because when you're giving us something away for free and it's an actual hookup, Mm -hmm. as V's been saying, you're literally not getting any value in return. It's just Mm -hmm. out of the goodness out of of your heart. And how many times can you do that before you actually lose money? But if you're going into the situation, you're saying, I got 10,000 people that are potential purchasers of this product, so I'll discount my product in order to incentivize them. Mm-hmm. That's wholly different. That's, that's actual business strategy, right? An actual mm-hmm. pricing strategy. And so that's definitely not the same in my book as a hookup. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So a good question is, when do you move beyond this bartering aspect then? You know, there's hookups where you're just giving it away for free, no benefit. Mm-hmm. Then there's the bartering where you're getting something in return and, or or the pricing discount, the large pricing discount, if, if we're really talking about it. So when do you move beyond basic bartering? Like what level of your business? Well, I think the bartering, I don't know if bartering stops. And the reason why I mm-hmm. say that is because let's say that we doing like I'm doing a conference. Right. right. And l- let's use V's business, for example. And we need some type of. Uh, well, I guess it would be more of a discounted rate mm-hmm. or possibly, you know, there might be an exchange. If maybe I did something for her mm-hmm. and she wanted to, you know, extend the courtesy as well. So I think that there's also there's always that exchange. I, prime example, Eric, I feel like we barter. But we don't call it bartering because you and I sit back and talk ideas back and forth, back and forth, back right. and forth. You know, right. and you could say, oh, it's a higher level conversation. It's a CEO talk. But at the same time, you know, you're bartering. We're bartering advice. Right. Right. There's a reciprocal um, uh, exchange of value. Right. So I think that the mm-hmm. reciprocal exchange of value never stops. Right. But I think at the at the point where you have the cash flow to be able to support your friend's business then I think that you should be, you should actually feel honored to be able to do so. Exactly. Willing to purchase, willing to support, willing to say, yeah, I am a client, a paying client, paying customer. And I think that that also puts you in the game to, to empower that person because they feel like you support them and you really get it. Right. But I I do feel like, you know, when first starting out, uh, sometimes, you know, you might have to lean on the bartering a little bit harder than the reciprocal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at times. And I think it depends on the relationship uh, with the person. 
prime example, I've been having a lot of uh, legal conversations this week yeah. with friends, you know, who are lawyers and attorneys. The advice has been free, but at the same time, there's usually it comes right back around, you know, when they need something for me or when we're sitting and we're having, uh, you know, idea exchanges and things like that. So, again, it's a re- reciprocal, but it may be at a later time. Right. I think um, you call it barter. If you're in the per- in the seat and you're looking to barter with somebody, mm-hmm. you should really look at it as leverage. Right. Because you're taking something and then utilizing someone else's expertise or exposure and being able to amplify or exponentially grow what it is you would only be able to do on your own. Mm. And so bartering is actually you're right. It's something that's a mainstay because you're consistently leveraging someone else's pipeline, someone else's product, someone else's um, uh, customer base in order to grow your brand. So bartering, Mm. again, as you say, is, is, is a consistent part of a successful business. Yeah, I still barter, but I feel like people who just start out, I think for like a new entrepreneur who doesn't have that much capital that's just starting, should barter, but you need to know what your value is. So when you come to someone, you could say, hey, I'm really great at doing this, and I would love to exchange this with you so that everybody's winning. It's not just like you're asking someone for a handout because that's not only like a turnoff, but it's like, man, like, You don't want to pay for the things that I've learned. Like if I spent years perfecting Right, I put in my 10,000 hours. You know, right. I've spent all this time, then you should be able to pay for it. If not financially, it should be an equal value. You have something, we all have something that we could do that's great, that we could be offering instead of just asking for something. So that that, um, brings me to a question, V. When do you know when your price is too high or too low? Mm. How do you value mm, yourself good, properly? That's a good question. Product? I had actually raised my prices probably about a year and a half ago. Nice. And that was just because of the cost. There's things like inflation. You know, flour may go up. You know, I'm in baking. So flour may go up by 22 cents. So that means my price has to go up as right. well. So with me, it depends on, you know, the market, inflation, how much things and groceries are, are costing, but also what type of customer you want you know they like my cupcakes if it's seven dollars a jar which it is pretty much online and you pay for shipping if you're cheap you probably want to go to like kroger or Publix or or something like that you know i consider myself which i'm creating myself to be the louis vuitton of cupcakes so i'm looking for a certain type of person you know i know what my customer likes to do, I know how much they make, I know where they like to hang out, and they are okay with ordering something online and waiting a couple of days until it pops into their mailbox. So that's my type of customer. Right. So I'm pricing so that I attract people who have money for $7 a cupcake. So I heard you know your customer. That's step one. Mm-hmm. You know what their, their purchasing habits are, their lifestyle habits are. You know what they're willing to pay. And then you probably know your competition as well or who it is that you're trying to um, uh, distinguish yourself from. So whether that's a lower price Mm -hmm. product or a lower tier product, and you're trying to be more premium, all of those things are are taken into account when you're trying to price yourself. Absolutely. Mm. So what are some of the things that you guys do or say when someone wants to, how do you handle that conversation when somebody wants to actually, you know, get that discount or want want something for free? How do you handle that combo? Eric, V? Well, if you're if if someone's coming up to me and, and asking for a hookup, and I know off bat that it's a hookup, it's probably a friend or family that's um, trying to utilize the service. And if, in that token, you have a, an honest conversation. Like, are you looking to provide, 
you know, marketing help? Are you going to go out there and tell your friends to purchase a product as well? If not, then that's probably not worth it, mm. ultimately, because it's going to be a cost to me. And then you have that conversation like, listen, this costs me dollars out of my pocket to right. build and create. Are you willing to support that? Even at cost, can you, can you right, give can it to you? me at cost? Absolutely. And so most people are uncomfortable because maybe earlier on, those particular individuals help support, whether they're talking about it or emotional support, whatever the mm -hmm. case is. They've been around a long time. So you you feel bad for saying no. And that's something that I think entrepreneurs have to develop, the ability to say no. Everything, mm -hmm. especially early on, looks shiny and realistic and mm -hmm. uh, uh, feasible. And then you get into the, the ins and outs of it and you realize that it costs too much money to do it this way. It costs too much money to do it that way. Um, you can't give this away for free because your profit margins are going down. And those are all just this, the learning curve in of an entrepreneur. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. I've learned, like, just through experience to just say no and be okay with it without giving an explanation. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, it's these are our babies. Like, these are things we put right. time and creativity and emotion and passion into. So I can just say no, you know, without an explanation because this is my time, energy, and money. So, you know, I'll say no, and normally when I'm asked why, to say it's just, it's not, you know, okay for me right now or something I just can't do for you right now, but maybe I can do it sometime in the future, but it can't happen right now. And being okay with that because sometimes we feel guilty like, oh, man, like I can't do that. But you're building a business, and when you get to a certain point, then you will be able to help people and bring people along with you and invest in other people's ideas, but you can't do that if you don't make any money. So you do have to, you know, operate like a business and learn to say no. So I've learned to have no problem saying no. Even with my time, I say no, like, mm. okay, well, I have to prioritize this. I can't do that right now and just be okay with it. Yeah. So, yeah, no is my new superpower. <laughs> oh, that's dope. I like it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, just walking away is is huge. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I someone tried to low, lowball me. Well, wanted me to to do a presentation for a very low amount and I was kind of like, you know, those those days are over. And then also, mm -hmm. you know, in my line of work, um which is kind of like a public service, you know, you you speak and stuff like that and oftentimes I do talks with youth. Some people are like, "Oh, well, you know, we only need you to come uh and and speak for an hour or we only need you for 30 minutes." And I'm kind of like, yeah, but see, you, it's not the thirty minutes that you're that you're paying for. It's the, you know, the years that have gotten me to this point right. to where I could come in and do something mm -hmm. in thirty minutes and blow y'all away. And then also, I've actually told people. I said, well, let me ask you a question. If I asked you to come to, to work for the next two weeks for free, would you do it? Right. I've literally asked somebody that, and they were like, mm, no. And I said, so why are you asking me to do the same thing? I I feel that that's a bit unfair. You know, I've, I've had to have that conversation. Like, literally, those are my words. Right. You know, and when you, like you said, V, when you're really standing on top of you know your value, you know who you are in this space, then you're going to have to walk away and be okay with that. And sometimes they circle mm -hmm. back. Yeah. And sometimes they circle back. Yeah. And then, you know, they still want to have the negotiation. They were just trying you. Or uh, I was having mm -hmm. a conversation with a colleague, and he said that he had went and did a speech at a college for free because his boy had asked him. And then after the speech, the person came up to him who was over the event and she said to him, you know what? I'm so happy that you did this because we were really, really we couldn't afford this guy for ten thousand dollars. And he did it for free. 
And she was like, I'm so wow. so thankful that you came and did it for free because we just couldn't afford him for 10000 And he's like he's feeling bummed out because he's like, man, y'all couldn't give me a, you know, five, seven, a eight, snack, nothing. <laughs> and he's like, and I did it for free. And we had that conversation. I said, look, bro, if you're a professional, you don't, that ain't what we do. Yep. Know your worth. And I mean, and he's he's good, you know, right. great energy, all of those things. And I'm like, right. with DJ Khaled, don't ever play yourself. <laughs> don't ever play yourself. Please don't play yourself. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that I thought that was that was very interesting. Well, okay. So you originally spoke about how you couldn't write something off on your taxes because uh, <laughs> you gave it away for free. And speak specifically. Did you, did you invoice those individuals when you uh, gave that product away for you free? You know what? It was so early in the game. I didn't. I didn't. And the interesting thing is, I didn't even know that you know to do that until we had George two point on the show. Right. And he was he was a great guest. Uh, George, you know, he does a one man show. He's an actor. He's the DJ for Janelle Monae. I mean, it's modern day renaissance, man. And he said that, you know, sometimes he might do a wedding or something like that for a friend at a discounted rate. But he says he'll send them a invoice with the amount of the services so that if there's ever a conversation around that, you know, that person knows how much it costs when they're telling somebody else that they should hire him. Right. And that. You know, they see the amount of value that they got, you know, for what they got. And I just thought that that was a, a phenomenal idea. So moving forward, we had him on in 2016 and moving forward since then, I haven't been waiving any fees. But if I did, I would definitely uh, use that method. How about you, V? No, I actually love that idea. I'm about to do that, too, like a sheet breakdown, right. even if you, you know, that's a phenomenal idea. So, you know, the value like, yes, I'm actually going to give you this because I believe in you and I support your cause. But this is how much just in case anyone else wants to book me for this and you could tell them about it. I think that's a phenomenal idea. I actually just wrote it down. I've never done that before. Mm. <laughs> and what and I, I would think that the costs <laughs> associated with whatever service you provided mm -hmm. now has a track record with this invoice. And yeah. you can take those costs and write those off on your taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, right, because there's no profit. You're going to write your cost off and your profit. Well, but there's no profit to go along with it. There's nothing. You Speeches know, you can't write off. It's just they just set right. it out flat. You wow. can't do it. So it's just <laughs> even the work assigned mm -hmm. with it. Nah. Well, I mean, if I was no. flying somewhere, right? You those know, costs. Yeah, yes, yeah so those costs. Yeah, yeah, those costs. But you know, for the most part, what about you, man? You you got you're into software now. At first, you guys were doing a lot with the actual ATM machines as far as right. um, using it. What about you, man? What so we were writing off. Um, you know, if our original business model was free ATM, where um, we were providing third-party advertising in order to subsidize the transaction fee for consumers. Mm -hmm. So you walk up to an ATM that's non-bank-owned in one of these bodegas or corner stores, and you would see an advertisement and then pay $0 for your surcharge. That cost, ultimately, someone has to bear. There's a cost of cash. There's right. a cost of getting mm -hmm. the cash into the ATM and into the consumer's pocket. That cost can be written off. So if I'm paying somebody as a service to keep the ATM running, that's a cost to me. That's what I write off for my taxes or utilize as a write down. Mm -hmm. rather. Okay. So, V, how do you adjust your pricing or when do you know when to adjust your pricing? Have you? Um, I know when to adjust the pricing. For one, I price it as high as possibly comfortable and then provide discounts and coupons and things like that because mm. it's hard to go from low to high, Very if that true. makes right. sense. Like. 
okay, so it was this price. It used to be $4. Now it's 10 You know, that's really hard to do. But if you price it a premium, then you can offer as many discounts as right. you want. So, right. you know, now I have the liberty to offer free shipping on your cupcakes or a buy one, get one day, or it's a flavor of the month. Here goes a coupon giving you five bucks off. Now I can do that. And now I'm actually happy to do it. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, this feels like slavery. So it's more comfortable when you price it high instead of going from low to high, because that's shocking for a customer and it turns people off. It's like, no, I don't want to, you know, shop with her. That's kind of tacky. Blah, blah. So that's how I normally price. And um, it's priced high, so when things, when like I told you, the flour goes up 22 cents or something like that, mm -hmm. then I'm still okay because it's priced, you know, at, at a premium price pretty much. So that's how I like to price, and that's what has worked for me and my customers sometimes, the ones that order every week, because I have a couple that order just every single week, like that's Monday awesome. might be their shop day. Then they're like, hey, got any coupons? And I'm like, absolutely, here you go. You shop all the time. You spend so much money with me and my business, so here you go. And now and you can I build a loyalty program. for those customers, and they're super loyal. So, that's awesome. yeah, that's how I tend to do things with the pricing. Okay. Eric, we didn't get to ask you, man, how do you know how to price your products, being that you moved from actually operating on the ATMs to a software uh, company? You went from free ATM to iTelio. So mm -hmm. how did you figure out how to mm -hmm. uh, how to price your, your new your software product? Right. So... I think that's one of the big things uh, cause people to be susceptible to giving handouts and giving hookups away is because they don't know their costs, right? They don't mm -hmm. know how much their product actually costs to get into market or be a, a serviced. Mm -hmm. And so when we were just doing the advertising gig, we knew what our costs were because we knew what the cost of a transaction was. An individual transaction costs about 50 cents. And so we know we had to get above that in profit. Are you saying an individual, price. it costs 50, a bank cents. 50 cents and they charge us $3? Yes. Wow. So that's a two fifty <laughs> up to more. yeah, yes, right? Or, yeah, more. or more, or more. And there's definitely some other nuances there. They're getting their money's worth definitely mm. on the back end. Okay. Um, but basically, <clears throat> with the software product, now I need to know how much it costs to run my servers, how much it costs to keep those um, uh, to to hoard a bunch of data, right? So all the time I'm tracking data, storing data, I'm, I'm stacking gigabytes of data over time so that is going to be a cost over time is that something i'm just random question is that something that you house in in-house or is that something that you uh that you outsource the housing of the actual data well we yes we have a an online partner that we utilize in order okay. to, to host our servers as well as uh host all of our data okay um so instead of reinventing that wheel utilize other people that have already perfected in a market absolutely so all of those costs, obviously the cost of my labor force, mm -hmm. the people who are actually building the product. And then you can say, okay, profitability is at this many ATMs. I need to price my product with, because my product is software service. That means it's per month, per ATM. It's a license fee where right. you're actually paying to remotely monitor your ATMs. Mm -hmm. You're paying us to use our technology to do that. And so you pay a flat rate per month, per ATM. Okay. And so I need to know exactly how much it costs to monitor and manage an ATM on a monthly basis. And then I'm probably going to mark that up 100% and, and, and then have discount capabilities there. Different industries have different markup margins that, that, that are feasible and, and make sense for that industry. I think the clothing industry is at least 100%, at least, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the food industry is probably 300%, 400%. You know, a, a meal, a plate of food 
in a five star restaurant probably cost them a dollar, dollar fifty to put all together. Right. Economies of scale. Exactly. But they're mm-hmm. charging twenty dollars a plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it right. depends on your business and your business model and, and, and location <coughs> because New York, I feel like you pay for the real estate you yes. know, for taking up that space in that restaurant that has a select exactly. uh, amount of space. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Each table brings in a certain amount of dollars per year. Right. So if you aren't able to to acqu- to um, deliver that much revenue on that table, then you need to do something else with it. But our product is based on also it's uh, it goes back to what V was saying in terms of knowing your customer. You have to know what they're willing to pay and what their costs are mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis and how much revenue they're generating on that ATM. Because my service is a, is a product for another business. Mm-hmm. I'm a B2B customer. Right, right. And so my customer is right. going to utilize my tool to improve operations and their overall bottom uh, bottom lines. So they need to, I need to know what their costs are in order to provide them a product that they're willing to purchase. Because if it costs too much, they're going to say... This turns my economic model upside down. I wouldn't buy it. Well, what does a what does a hookup right. look like for you in your industry or in your line of work? It, a hookup for me would be giving away the software at an extended period of time for free, or giving it away at an extreme discount just because of economies of scale. And I've run into that scenario before, where a potential client basically says that they're they would like a super discount on the cost because mm-hmm. they have so many ATMs. And I have to figure out whether or not that's reasonable to take advantage of um, and and then either apply specific metrics to them and say, hey, okay, I'll give you this price, but you have to hit this amount of ATMs, for free, uh, ATMs on a monthly basis or walk away from the deal and say no. Mm. So do you do do you run trials like you you let someone try out the software for a period of time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with with our product, um, it's technology driven, so it's important for the the operator of the ATM to be able to get used to it and re- re- derive value from it in the long run before he has to purchase it. Um, and then there is some configuration that's required. So you want to incentivize them to get through the configuration phase, and then after that, once they start utilizing it on a daily day basis. It's it's basically a, a sale on my part because they'll see the value. So I do have a 30-day mm-hmm. trial. So how do you know when something is just a no for you? Like, I can't do this. It's not feasible for me. And how do you even say no to your customers, Eric? Uh, well, it usually comes down because at this point, you know, my customer, my potential customer base, um, they have thousands of ATMs in their portfolios. And so these individuals okay. are used to paying a certain amount of money to keep their ATMs up and running um, with via software. Mm-hmm. And so it really comes down to me knowing what my costs are in order to say what my threshold is and be able to say no. Um, and then you play the pricing game with them. You obviously want to know what their budget is, and that way you can meet in the middle or find a sweet spot that matches both of you guys' uh, uh, priorities. But for me to say no, it basically means that it goes below a certain threshold. I've already done all the legwork to know what my product costs, and so if someone says my lowest value is too much, then they're, they're not, not the right customer for me. Right, exactly. How do you tell them no, though, or do you just not respond? Like, Well, no, you, you definitely want to respond because it goes back to what Kevin was saying and how they might, they'll probably come back. Mm-hmm. They'll probably come back. And you want to keep that relationship open just in case you find you build a new product that's more economical for them or whatever the case is. And so you basically say, well, listen, either, you know, and I've tried to do a little bit of customization for people in order to get to the price point they have without giving away too much of my value for um, an mm-hmm. inappropriate price. 
Um, but there's only so much you can do without burning resources on the sale that ultimately just take away from the overall profit of the deal. So there's a, a certain timeline for it uh, for the entire sale and as well as uh, specific thresholds and floors in terms of my price. And then at a certain point, you just got to be honest and say, hey, listen, this is the price that we expect it to be at if that's a no, because they'll say no to you. That's how the conversation ends. You come mm -hmm. to them with a proposal and then say they, that that's too high and we'll think about it internally. We'll get back to you. That's usually how it goes. I'm the one right. selling, so I'm going to continue to try and figure them out or get them over the line. Mm-hmm. Mm yeah, that makes So this is a, a completely different question, but still related to what you do, Eric, is, mm -hmm. you know, being a black man in software and mm -hmm. technology, I still feel like there's this, you know, stigma in the black community, like we're scared of technology. You know, I still hear my grandma say sometimes, yeah. no, I don't want to buy that online. Just like the paranoia <laughs> just around <laughs> technology. How do we get around that just in our community and how do you think we can get more black children into software and computers because i think what you're doing is phenomenal do you think there's a Thank way you. we can start bridging that gap or what would you even suggest i've been thinking about it a lot actually it's it's a big um thing on my mind because i agree with you wholeheartedly coming from morehouse college down in atlanta all male hbcu um mm -hmm. basically the computer science department wasn't necessarily the mo the highest funded department on the, the campus. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I feel like really they did not take advantage of was the fact that you had business-minded individuals and technology-savvy individuals, but they never met. You never put them in the same room together mm -hmm. and forced them to mm -hmm. learn from each other, right? Mm -hmm. These business majors should have some level of technology uh, expertise and vice versa so that you can go out in the world and be a uh, a multi-dimensional individual. You need both in this day and age. You have Absolutely. to have the business yes. acumen and you have to know how to utilize technology to increase economies of scale or decrease your cost or whatever the case is. And so I, I think that it's definitely early STEM involvement. You get the young kids involved with building things because it's an art form, right? You're building things mm -hmm. in a virtual space when it comes to technology and computer science and programming. So you get them involved early, and then that way they feel like they have some level of ownership. And competence. They, and competence, thank you. Mm -hmm. and, and because they can take those skills and just do whatever they want with them. I'm telling you, there's a website called Stack Overflow. Nobody knows about it unless you're a coder, right? But this, yeah. I, I saw an article the other day where literally someone said, this website keeps the world running the entire technology stack wow. of the world running because at this point information is disseminated so easily that this particular mm -hmm. website you go on and you just literally enter your error code just the word for word verbatim into google stack overflow will give you thousands of qu of answers to that problem that's how we right. s so you're instead of having to reinvent the wheel b build all these things from scratch deal with all your problems from scratch all you have to do is google the problem and they'll give you the answer to fix it and that's why building technology is so easy nowadays because the information necessary to do it is so prevalent and so right it is about just giving the, ch the kids the information so that they can go get curious and build stuff on their own and i think it's also about giving them the opportunity to uh put in the, the hours yes right you Early. know i think it's the exposure mm -hmm. and then also the you're going to sit down and do this for a few hours and we're going to do this consistently because that builds up you know the confidence in it as well mm -hmm. and then when you go out into the world and you see like all of these 
prime example. I went to Clark Atlanta. V went to Clark Atlanta. You went to Morehouse. So we got an AUC connection in nice. there, right? But the funny mm-hmm. part is, is that in school, like just like you said, me and you probably wouldn't have crossed paths right. like that. But mm-hmm. as you uh, you get wiser and you start doing things differently, then you understand how important it is to be able to travel and do. I mean, to go between both worlds. And mm-hmm. now, of course, you you know you have to be like multi uh, faceted, like you yep. said. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like you know. If you're being taught that at home and before, you know, you truly become popular or or whatever, then when you get to school or when you're around a certain group of people who do things differently, you're kind of like, yeah, I I can fit into that flow Mm -hmm. as well. Because Mm -hmm. that to me, like I know you're into like some comic books and some other stuff that I absolutely (laughs) have no no uh, idea about. And I'm talking about you, Eric, specifically. Right. right. But you're still one of my best friends. Right. Right. But we both have different sides that the other one doesn't know anything about or or doesn't know much about. Right. And so being able to walk in both of those worlds i feel like it's important and that's where the exposure when you're younger comes into play absolutely v were you gonna uh say something though i was just gonna say like with entrepreneurship you have to leverage yourself through technology and you know there's some people that are just ignoring that side and i'm just specifically talking about the black community just just for us that we have to start utilizing those systems you know for leverage um there's just that that fear there of the technology luckily you know we're millennials so we're clicking this and moving that and trying to integrate that. But I feel like people think they have to know a lot about software or computer science in order to leverage themselves through technology, you know, and you really don't. So Mm -hmm. I guess my question is how do we, you know, bridge that gap? Because, you know, if you talk about you want to make money while you're sleeping, then you have to learn how to utilize uh, technology. And it doesn't require a computer science degree, you know, in order to do that. So how do we instill that? type of stuff into the next generation you know um like you said with bridging the gap i thought that would be a phenomenal idea for you know college students we're at clark or at morehouse right. Spelman, you know business students would meet computer science students like that would have been phenomenal if we could have did that like how do we bring that, that you know back to the campuses so that these yeah. business Ton. owners are more equipped you know um to go out in the world and start making moves I think the solution is in uh, YouTube, man. I watch so many tutorials, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. You're right. Dissemination I, of information. What? I watch tutorials about everything. I was just having this conversation with uh, with Leah, who's a part of the team, and I was telling her, Leah, we were working on this, working with some new technology. Leah just went and figured it out. And I was like, <laughs> see, I would have went and watched like two or three YouTube videos, so I knew how to new- use the whole thing. And she right. was like, nah, bro, I got this. Right. I was like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, um, uh, man, these these kids are, are, are willing to learn anything, but they just haven't seen that particular path walked. Exposure. Like, no one has sat mm. down and written out, yes, I had to learn this technology and this technology and this helped and this helped and this helped. And I think when those stories are told more, it'll uh, kids will pick it up, run with it. They'll, they'll take the baton and then mm. just surpass us. So we just got to tell those stories. Right. I think another part of it, yeah. too, is is it being a cool thing. You know, I think yeah, that absolutely. that's perception. I love that. Is like a fifteen billion dollar company a cool thing? Scary. Right, but some kids are like worried <laughs> right. about Jordans versus you know what I mean. What the real, what really matters. So some of that is what's being taught at home, but also, yeah. you know, I know like for me growing up, and I always think about this guy. There was this dude named Milton who used to run the computer lab at the Continentals of Omega Boys and Girls Club, and he used to tell me you need to sit down and you need to learn. And I'm talking about DOS. Mm, you know, it's the real Sim day. City. You know what I'm Sir. saying? And so I used to love playing that game, but you know, there were times where it wouldn't upload, but you needed to learn how to know how right. to code in order to make it work. Right. He was mm-hmm. like, "You need to learn how to do this." I used to be like, "Nah, just fix it for me. I'll just come in and do it." 
And, you know, for the past, like, year, I've been thinking, like, man, if I would have just listened to Milton, what would my <laughs> life be like? Man, you know? Where would we be if we listened to the Miltons, right? <laughs> right. And so, you know, and it wasn't that Milton wasn't cool. It's just that Milton, I didn't feel like I identified with him. So I think right. some of that is what the interesting mm, part is, is that yeah. I feel like, Sometimes the tech guys are a different kind of guy depending on who you are and where you're coming from. But you mm-hmm. have to be exposed enough in order to be able to see past that because you'll miss out. If you have natural talent in business or technology, you probably have a specific type of personality. We right. can go into so- yeah, sociology with that and all, and all that type of stuff, but we won't. Basically, what you need to do, you don't have to go become an expert in that field. You mm-hmm. just need to go learn the skills. And because I know your mm-hmm. business, Kevin, I know yeah. some of the ways you use technology in order to utilize it. But, uh, V, given your business, how are some ways that you've leveraged technology in order to um, uh, deliver your services or improve your, your business? Um, with mine, since it actually takes time, I'm working on scaling more and working on hiring employees because baking requires time. Right. So I send out newsletters with, you know, click right here, buy right here, and I can automate those. So automation nice. has changed my life because I don't have to sit there and write 50 million newsletters at one time. And my business is still being marketed, and it'll also auto-kick out to my Facebook. And now there's things for Instagram where it'll auto-post you know, on your behalf. So using things like that, because you still want to make sure that your business is running. So you have to use these, you know, technology products so that it's automated. So you're not sitting right there and you're still making money at the same time. And even with, you know, the post office, I punch in all my things. So I know how it, how much it weighs so that that happens automatically. So those are all little things that can save you a whole bunch of time, depending on what your industry is, especially if you have a product like mine, we're shipping and it has to get out in a certain amount of time, well, pretty much in 48 hours to a customer so that they're still satisfied in writing a great review on you. You know, right. things like when you buy something, then a couple of days later it'll pop. After I know they've already got it, it automatically in a couple of days pops into your inbox like, hey, you know, how did you enjoy those cupcakes? And they're like, nice. oh, yeah. Nice. And it also sends them a cupcake. So, you know, it could just put a happy face or a sad face and then leave a comment, too, and say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm happy, let me write this, and then that's more stuff for me to use to say how great this product is because someone else said it, you know, on my behalf. And it's just setting up systems which makes your life so much easier. So that's how I leverage myself, and I'm working on leveraging myself even more. You know, mm-hmm. you learn as you go. And so, what tool yeah, is that some of the that you're utilizing for the, uh, the autoresponder? What tool is that that you're utilizing for the auto-emailing? Um, one is called Yotpo. Uh, Y-O-T-P-O mm-hmm. and the other one I'll tell you in a second because it was a plug-in that I added so mm-hmm. um, get back to me during this time and I'll be able to tell you what that one is too but Yotpo is one that I use I mean I use MailChimp for yep. uh, the emails I use Hootsuite to kick out the, the tweets uh, and now I love how MailChimp has the whole Facebook thing where it'll just build you a cute newsletter um, for Facebook you know Things like that, using Canva and WordSwag, if you're not a real graphic designer, those are things you could be using to kind of, if you don't have all the skills, it looks like you have all the skills, right. you know, because of the way it looks. Right. So those are some of the things that, that if I If you're building use. any proposals, any presentation decks you mm-hmm. need to utilize, I use slidebean.com. That's a, a great website. Just helps you structure mm-hmm. it all. Use, like, uh, cohesive icons and whatnot. Get your coloring scheme proper. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about pulling elements around in PowerPoint, and then that it just snaps right to a grid for you. Okay. 
Yeah. Oh, that's dope. It's called Slide Bean. Slidebean.com. Like bean as in beans bean. and rice? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, vanilla bean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> beans and rice, too. <laughs> Got a hand cream for some, uh, some spicy food. Bro. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so, Kev, I actually have a question for you in regards to hookups and speaking. So, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to getting your name out there, because I feel like it's oversaturated now. Everybody's a speaker. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. a an international speaker, everybody's a motivational speaker, and we know that's not true. Everybody's but when it comes coach. to getting your Super name out true. there, if you're right, if you're a coach, like okay, mm-hmm. do you suggest showing up to speak for free if you're just starting, or should you just speak for free on something like a Facebook Live or Instagram Live? Like, what are your thoughts on that for those who are just building, you know, um, with these coaching and speaking type services? All right, V, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this as if it's a question for you. I don't know if it is, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I'm saying that is because you're you're an entrepreneur and you have a proven business that uh, works. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you have mm-hmm. a level of expertise that should not be free. Mm-hmm. Right. With that, I would say that you might not be out the gate a $7,500 speaker, a $5,000 speaker, but don't be afraid to request your cost. Uh, yeah, your cost. You know, at least the cost. Right. No, nah, I'm not even gonna say the cost that it takes you to get there. I mean, don't be afraid to request five thousand fifteen hundred you know and it depends on how big the the venue is that you're going to be speaking at and who's going to be in the audience what is their budget you know you want to find out those type of things you know how much do you cost how much is your budget for a speaker with x y and z expertise right and then you want to speak to the solutions that you'll be providing Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. i always find it funny you know when people everybody's a speaker right until you actually see them speak and then you're kind of like you know because there, there's a there's a couple things, and one of the, the analogies that I love to use is is that you can go and get a professional athlete to come and speak at this event, or you can get somebody who speaks for a living to come and speak at this mm-hmm. event. You're gonna get two different uh, experiences. The, that's like me trying to say that I want to go and play in the NBA, and I come on the, on a court and I knock down a couple jumpers. I got four points. Somebody scored eighty on me, <laughs> right? Right. I, I hooped, but you know what I mean. There's different. So it's difference w- between somebody who does it for a living and somebody who doesn't. And so right. when it comes to speaking, you know, you have your level of expertise. Eric has his level of expertise. I would never say don't go out and get on a stage. But I would also say that, you know, you get the training so that you can raise your fee. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody who mm-hmm. who actually studies it, who actually does it. And then, you know, you go and speak at big tier events. You know, if you have a, a conference that, that's huge, that's going to have 10,000 people there, you go and rock that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and then, you know, and. If you rock that stage for free, guess what? You got you got Essence or you got, um, you know, Meeting Planners International, you know, on your resume. Now you're talking. You know, you spoke on, on the center stage at, at the National Speakers Association. Now people are looking at you, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it all depends on who the audience is that you'll be speaking for if it's for free. And then also don't be afraid to jump out there, man, and really, you know, demand a fee. But no what you're doing. You don't want to be in the, in an industry that usually, you know, they pay $10,000 or less and you come in there talking about you want to, you know, you'll do it for two or that you can speak on any and every topic. Then that's when people know that you don't know what you what you're talking about or what you're doing. It's like somebody coming up to you. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure we're all trained now that when somebody says, "Oh yeah, I run my own business," within the first 2 or 3 minutes, you can figure out whether or not they know what they're doing right. or if it's just something that's cool to them. Right. Right? So it's the same thing with speaking. Absolutely. You know, know know what's going on and where you're going to be speaking at and how to adjust that. But, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about their coaches and their speakers, and it's not a good look, you know, in terms of uh, professionalism and also being able to keep the energy and stuff like that going in the audience. 
You know, delivering information right. and delivering an experience are two different things. Right. And mm. in my presentations, I believe in the latter, delivering an experience. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, delivering experience. You need to put that on a T-shirt, Kev. You know what? I feel like everybody in every business should be delivering experiences, should they not? Mm -hmm. I know that Saver V yeah, uh, no, Banana Pudding is delivering an experience. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I deliver experiences with, through my dessert head and your eyes closed and everybody goes, mm. So I get that. I'm just telling you I want it on a T-shirt. Huh. Okay. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's put it together. Well, V, Eric, man, I want to say thank you so much for coming in and being on this episode of CEO Talks. Uh, this Thank this you definitely. Thank so much for having me. This is fun. I like this. I mean, I learned some stuff from you, gentlemen, as well. So this is this is dope. Yeah, yeah. we like building over here. Yeah, we that's what we do, V. So you know you're gonna be back on here. I got a list of about seven things from the technology that you guys said that you were using. So it's gonna get real. And V, you with us, CEO talks. This is what we do. So V, please tell our audience and our listeners how they can stay in contact with you. You can stay in contact with me. I'm at SaverV.com. That's S-A-V-O-R-V.com. And the coupon code for today is Cupcake. So if you want to get your cupcake on, vegan and non-vegan, you forgot to send your mama a birthday gift or something, you can holler at that website. And on social media, I am at Domestic Queen V. So you can find me everywhere. Yes. E? Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> yeah, she plugged that. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> love me some V, man. You can find me at Eric at Itelio. That's I-T-E-L-L.io. And you can also find me on Twitter, Eric N. Fondren, F-O-N-D-R-E-N. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York, or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Create la tua vita. Create your life. Unskip your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life.